I'm Mark Rees and welcome to my curious ghosts and folklore podcast where in each episode I investigate a different, weird and wonderful subject. And in this episode we are all going in search of the devil himself. The horned one, the evil one, the ruler of hell, the ruler of the underworld, Beelzebub, Mephisto, Lucifer, Erdiavol. We are going to track down the devil and we know exactly where to look for him. Because it's a bit of a giveaway, but his name is in the name of the village. We are going to Devil's Bridge. And not only is it named after the devil, it does indeed have a devil's bridge. And it is the home of one of my favourite folktales, which is also called Devil's Bridge. Now, this Devil's Bridge, and I mean the bridge itself, not the village in Ceredigion, but the bridge, is actually three Bridges, Not one Devil's Bridge, there are three Devil's Bridges. And also, the reason I particularly like this folktale, and you will hear me saying this quite often on this podcast, but the reason I love the tale of Devil's Bridge is because my favourite folktales, or not, not just folktales, any tales, ghost tales, myths, legends, my favourite Tales are the ones which involve real places. So, no matter how fantastical and unlikely the story might be, if we can visit that place, if we can jump in the car and drive to this location and stand there and say, this is where the devil did... Well, you don't know yet. I haven't told you the story yet. But this is where the devil did all those things we are about to find out I think that makes the story that much more magical and is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I think these stories continue to survive and to be passed on centuries after they first emerged. Now, the story of Devil's Bridge, and I'll give you a quick summary and then we'll look at the village itself, but it does involve the devil and he attempts to to trick an old Welsh woman, out of her soul in return for building a bridge. So it's a bit like the Faust story, where the devil says, give me your soul, and in return I will give you your heart's desire. And I guess the big difference between Faust and this story is that in Faust, he desires power and women and riches and all kinds of incredible abilities... Whereas this woman wants a bridge. She isn't taking full advantage of the deal you feel there. But nevertheless, the the, the mechanics, the deal, it was a similar deal. I'll give you a bridge, you give me your soul. Although it wasn't quite worded in that way, as will be revealed when I tell you the complete story. Now, let's begin by setting the scene. And as mentioned, Devil's Bridge, the village is in the west of Wales, in the county of Ceredigion, not too far from Aberystwyth. And while we call it Devil's Bridge, its original Welsh name is Pont Arvanach. Now, Pont Arvanach translates as the bridge pont on the Manach. So the Manach River, Pont 
Ar Vanach, the bridge on the Manach. Now, this Welsh name, again, alludes to a bridge. The devil, however, only pops up in the English version of the name. So, what is so special about this bridge? Why do we keep going on about this bridge? Well, to start with, it is not one bridge. The Devil's Bridge is, in fact, three bridges. And when you say that, people assume it's three bridges crossing three different rivers or lakes. But in fact, it is three bridges stacked one on top of the other three bridges together. And you wouldn't want to fall off any of these bridges. They cross a 90 meter drop and they are organized by date. So the most recent one is at the top. The oldest one is at the bottom. The top one is an iron bridge that dates from 1901. The second bridge, the middle bridge, is made of stone. And that one was put there in 1753. But it's the original bridge at the bottom, the third one, which dates from sometime between 1075 and 1200. And that is the one which was built by Satan. Probably. Well, maybe. Now, as mentioned, you would not want to fall down this chasm. It is a heck of a big drop. You can, however, walk down a set of approximately 600 stone steps leading to the bottom, which, carrying on with this biblical theme, is called Jacob's Ladder. And once you've walked down Jacob's Ladder, you will never, ever forget it. And I remember the first time I visited Devil's Bridge, and it was, God, a couple of decades ago, I think. I'm starting to feel old just thinking about it, so let's move on. But I was particularly unfit back then. I mean, I'm still unfit now, but back then, I think it was in my initial student days when I was much more nocturnal, and let's just say I wasn't eating my five-a-day back then. And the plan was we would have a quick look at the bridge. It was lovely. A quick look at the hotel. I'll talk about that in a minute. And then we would pop on the steam train. The steam train is the other little landmark in Devil's Bridge. Now, the steam train, for whatever reason, was not running. And we we sat around and we twiddled our thumbs and we waited. And in the end, we thought, well, look, the train isn't coming. Why don't we do something else? And the person I was with said, yes, let's walk down Jacob's Ladder and let's explore everything at the bottom, right at the bottom of Devil's Bridge. And how I made it back, I do not know. I must have stopped for breath a million times. And I'm sure if I attempted it now, it would be much more enjoyable. I love going for walks in nature. Nowadays, I really should get back there. And I'm sure there are super fit people who think I'm talking absolute rubbish. But my last in memory at the time was it was hard work. So that's the ladder. And as mentioned, there is the hotel there as well, which I haven't stayed in. But I have popped into for a drink, and it was lovely. I mean, I'm sure it's changed hands since I was there last, but it's it's a lovely little spot. It was once part of the Havard Estate, which is why it is now called the Havard Hotel. And I think I'm right in saying it is where George Burrow stayed during his time in 
Devil's Bridge while writing his Wild Wales book, uh, a hugely influential travel guide to Wales, which included lots of little snippets of, of local legends and things in it. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating book. And I guess that's where he stayed in, in the 19th century. And if we're talking about famous people here, the English painter J.M.W. Turner, arguably England's greatest painter, did stop by and sketch the water falling and the bridges at the time. And along with Turner, the other romantic visitor of note was William Wordsworth. And I I'm convinced those two, I know it might have been years apart, but I'm starting to think they were joined at the hip because whenever I look back at Welsh places, if Turner turned up to sketch or paint the place, there's a pretty good chance Wordsworth followed after him and wrote a poem about it. And that's exactly what he did with Devil's Bridge. He wrote, to the torrent at the Devil's Bridge, North Wales, and we will have a little taste of that later on. Now, in popular culture, to wrap this bit up before we get into the diabolical tale, Devil's Bridge did appear on a television series, and I, I didn't realise quite how big this was outside of Wales. I knew it was a big deal in Wales, but it's, it's quite a global thing, and that is the television series Hinterland, or Urgwech, as it is known in the Welsh language, it was filmed twice simultaneously. So there's one Welsh version out there and a bilingual version. But the first ever two episodes of this gritty, uh, what, what they called Welsh noir TV series, which is, is a play on the whole Scandinavian, uh, Nordic, no, Nordic noir. Is, is that a genre yet? So if, if you do like those Scandinavian, Nordic noir TV shows and you haven't seen Hinterland and you enjoy this story about the devil, you might want to check it out on one of those popular streaming places. Now, that's enough build-up. Let's get on with the folk tale itself. Now, this is one of Wales's most famous, best-known folk tales. It's right up there with the likes of the story of Bith Gallet. And as such, there are some different variations out there. The story has been tweaked and changed slightly over the years. But for me, one of the best sources for these kind of stories is in the Welsh Fairy Book. Now, this was first published in 1907 by W. Jenkin Thomas, a Welsh author who is best known for this, this collection of fairy tales and what a work it is. This hefty tome which covers everything from the fairies to Arthurian legends and two tales like this about the devil. And luckily it has been reprinted many a time over the years and while it might be well over a hundred years old now. It's something I return to again and again. It is a great source of information and even though some of the stories are not in their original form. Maybe they have changed over the years. Maybe Thomas has put his own little twist on things. It has been a huge help to my research over the years. And he often includes details which are not available in other places, such as the name of the old lady at the heart of this story. And it's for that reason, those little details which add colour to the story that, that I turn to Thomas. So the version of this story, this wonderful magical story that I am about to relate to you is, for the most part, the traditional story 
which you will find on postcards and tea towels and things around the area. But there are also some direct quotes and little bits of information which have been taken directly from Thomas's account of this tale. So, if you are sitting comfortably, let us begin. And if you're not sitting comfortably, make yourself comfortable and we can get on with it. So, this story begins... One fateful day when old Megan of Llandanach stood by the side of the River Manach feeling very sorry for herself. The River Manach, after which the village is named Pontarvanach, had flooded overnight so badly that her cow was stranded on the opposite side of the water. She was stuck on one side, the cow was stuck on the other. And this was no ordinary flood. There is no way rain alone could have caused this. It must have been the work of, inverted commas, an evil spirit. Megan was sure of it. It was the work of an evil spirit causing mischief. But whatever the reason, whether it was a natural occurrence or whether it was some pesky ghost playing tricks, she had to get that cow back because for Megan, this was no ordinary cow. She was an old widow. She had very little to her name. In fact, she had the cow, and that was pretty much it. She was in quite a state of panic. Unlike the cow, who couldn't have been calmer, because over there was lots of lovely green grass for it to stuff its face with, and while Megan on one side panicking and desperately trying to find a way to get that cow back, the cow was happy to munch away on the green, green grass of home. Megan began to talk to herself and she said, Oh dear, oh dear, what shall I do? And then something rather unexpected happened. A voice replied to her and it said, What is the matter, Megan? It gave the old woman a bit of a fright. She had no idea somebody had been able to creep up on her, but she assumed she was so preoccupied with her problems, she was just paying no attention. An army could have sneaked up on her, and she wouldn't have known in her current state of mind. And she turned around and saw what looked like, what, what she assumed must be, a kind-looking monk because they were wearing a long brown monk's habit with a big baggy hood concealing their face and while she hadn't had a chance to pray for help yet it was as if her unasked prayers had been answered by the appearance of this man of god who she was certain would help her and so in reply to his question she told him I am ruined. There is my one and only cow, the sole support of my old age, on the other side of the river, and I don't know how to get her back again. Oh dear, oh dear, I am ruined. To which this mysterious monk-like stranger said, Don't you worry about that. I'll get her back for you. This was wonderful news for Megan, but she had no idea how he could do so. I mean, there was a raging torrent in front of them, and so she asked him, How can you? To which the stranger confidently answered, I'll tell you, it is one of my amusements. 
to build bridges. And if you like, I will throw a bridge across this chasm for you. And yes, I know this might be stretching the believability slightly, but it's a fairy tale. Just just go with it, okay? This monk loves building, and he's offering to put a bridge across the chasm. And while that is music to the old woman's ears, sadly, as she explains, she has no money. All she has is that cow over there. And if, you know, if she gives away the cow for the bridge, it kind of defeats the whole point of it, really. How on earth is she going to repay this kind monk? Well, he reassures her and he says, I am very easily satisfied. Just let me have the first living thing that crosses the bridge after I have finished it and I shall be content. So, as mentioned, this is quite a a Faustian deal which is being set up here, even though it's being made by a kind monk as far as the old lady is concerned. And the first creature to cross the bridge, he he will effectively have their soul. And the first person to cross, of course, will be Megan when she goes to get her cow. So he will build this bridge, she will cross it to get the cow, but then when her life comes to an end, she will be in the clutches of this monk. Now, that doesn't sound too bad, because this monk, as far as she is concerned, is a man of God. But, and I'm sure you're one step ahead of this story, he might not be all that he seems. And Megan, after agreeing to this deal, goes back home to wait for the bridge to be built. And while she sits there, she has time to gather her thoughts. She puts on her thinking cap. And it was during this time she began to have some suspicions about this monk and about this too-good-to-be-true offer he had given her, and she decided to think of a plan with which to protect herself just in case he did try to double-cross her. She came up with this this cunning plan, just like Baldrick, and as it says in the book, and I quote, she was not half such a fool as she looked. In fact, she was more of a detective a Welsh Miss Marple, who picked up on some quite important clues. And there was definitely something strange about this monk. There was something rather peculiar about his foot. Now, what exactly? She couldn't be certain. But more than that, there was something about his knees as well. In fact, the knees looked back to front. And as she waited for that bridge to be completed, she thought and thought about these peculiar feet and back to front knees until it gave her a headache. But by the time she was summoned back to the side of the river to see the completed bridge, She thought that she had worked out the secret of this monk. She had put two and two together and worked out his plan. Or so she thought. And not only that, she had a way to thwart his plan. And in order to do so, she hid a loaf of bread under her shawl. And as she walked back there, she dropped little bits of crusts along the way, which were devoured by her hungry little dog, which followed her all the way back to where the monk was waiting. And for the conversation that follows, I am going to quote again from Thomas's book. And the monk says, 
There's a bridge for you, pointing proudly to a fine span bestriding the yawning chasm. And it really was something to be proud of. Hmm, <laughs> said Megan, or oh, I, I think that's how you pronounce it, H and some M's. It might have been, hmm, hmm, hmm. Anyway, take your pick. Hmm, yes, she said, looking doubtfully at it. Yes, it is a bridge, but is it strong? Strong, said the builder, indignantly. Of course it is strong. To which she replied, will it hold the weight of this loaf? And she wept that loaf of bread from underneath her shawl. The monk slash builder laughed at this suggestion. Hold the weight of this loaf? Throw it on and see. Ha ha. Or ha 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 ha. Again, I'm reading, I'm reading this off a page and I, I, I'm assuming that's how the, 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 the monk slash builder slash maybe a devil would laugh. But if I'd, if I'd prepared this properly, I would have got some cheesy sound effects ready. <laughs> maybe some, some diabolical ha 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 laugh. Anyway, with that ha ha ha, Megan rolled the loaf right across the bridge and her little black dog scampered after it. And if you've been paying attention to this story, you will of course realize that what she has done is trick the monk slash builder slash maybe devil. Because when they made that deal, that he could have the first soul to cross the bridge, he did not expect it to be a canine soul. He expected a human soul. He expected old Megan's soul. But she had uh, effectively sacrificed her dog to save her own soul. And with that, she turned to the monk slash builder slash maybe devil, and she said to him, yes, this bridge will do. And, kind sir, my little dog is the first living thing to cross the bridge. You are welcome to him. And I thank you very much for all the trouble you have taken. Now, as a dog lover, I find this a bit harsh. And I hope for her sake, the Gwiski wasn't listening because she would be in trouble with the other dogs in Wales. But never mind. There is a happy ending coming up for dog lovers. Well, there's a happy ending in Thomas's version. This is not in all of them. And this is another reason why I prefer Thomas, because in his version, innocent dogs do not get dragged to hell for eating bread. Because in his version, the monk replies to old Megan with, tut, the silly dog is no good to me. And with that, he vanished into space, leaving only the smell of brimstone in his wake. Just as she had suspected, this was not a monk. This was not a builder. It was not a monk who liked building. It was not a builder who liked m monking. <laughs> I know, I know, that's not a word. But anyway, it was the devil himself. She had outwitted the devil. And if you hadn't made the connection earlier, she did so because those legs, certainly at the time in Wales, back when things were a little bit more God-fearing, the devil was assumed to have the legs or the lower body of a goat, which is why the knees were pointing the wrong way. And those feet, which were peculiar, would presumably have been cloven. It was the cloven hooves and the back-to-front knees which gave away the devil's true identity. 
And so, if there's one lesson to be taken away from this wise old fairy tale, it's that if you ever suspect that you are dealing with the devil, always check out their legs. And before we wrap up that story, I should point out another little peculiarity with beliefs in the devil at the time, is that the bridge became known as Bad Man's Bridge, presumably because people did not want to utter the bad man's name aloud. Now, of course, since then, it has become more popularly known as Devil's Bridge, although the original name is still Pontarvanach, which is the, the Welsh name for it. And the three bridges we see today, that bottom one was created all those years ago by the devil himself in order for an old Welsh woman to rescue her stranded cow, and the first living creature to cross it was a dog who survived going to hell. And nowadays, it serves as a permanent reminder of the time the devil visited Ceredigion. Although he did visit on several occasions, there are a lot of stories out there involving the devil. They are all coming your way, slowly but surely, on this podcast. And of course, if you haven't listened to it already, episode two of this podcast looks at another wonderful tale which combines fact and fiction. Well, maybe. And that is the Swansea Devil, a physical object, a statue of a devil, which, if you believe the stories, is responsible for burning down a church and is now tucked away safely in a museum. But if you want to know all about the mysteries surrounding the Swansea Devil, as opposed to the Caradigion Devil, then at the end of this episode, pop back and check out episode number two. And as for upcoming stories of the Devil, as always, if you haven't already, please consider hitting the subscribe button, because if you do, You will never miss an episode ever. You will never miss a story about the devil. And just off the top of my head, I've got one coming up which includes him hiding in a work of art and another in which he attempted to lure the monks in a monastery away from the path of God and into his clutches. And best of all, as of next week, this podcast is going full on Halloween. I've got so many surprises up my sleeve for the entire month of October. You you will not want to miss any of them. It's my favourite time of the year. I have collected so many ghost stories and bits of folklore and traditions and memories surrounding Halloween. All Hallow's Eve, Samhain, or in Wales, Norse Kalan Gaev, the night before winter. And that all starts right here on this bat channel on October the 1st. The first day of the month will be my first Halloween podcast. So get those jack-o'-lanterns ready, get that Halloween mixtape, or it's probably not a mixtape nowadays, is it? Get that Halloween playlist ready and get all those cheap and tacky decorations all over the house. Because Halloween is coming to this podcast. And on that note, it just leaves me to say that, as always, it's great to hear from you. So if you have any feedback or any thoughts on this episode or any episode, or if you just want to say hello, 
please track me down by the website. You can email me direct from the website or there's also links to all of my social media profiles. I'm on all the main social media websites. So get in touch. Let me know what you thought of the Devil's Bridge. Maybe you've been there yourself. Maybe you've walked down Jacob's Ladder and found it easy peasy. What am I moaning about? Whatever it is, I look forward to hearing from you. And on that note, I did mention that we would hear a little bit of William Wordsworth's poem inspired by his visit to Devil's Bridge. And this was composed in 1824. So it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. Dear Grando, I've been Mark Rees. This has been my ghost's and folklore podcast it's the best it's the beautiful it's the only ghosts and folklore podcast beaming to you from wales to the world and to quote william wordsworth from the dread chasm woods climbing above woods in pomp that fades not everlasting snows and skies that near relinquish their repose Such power possess the family of floods Over the minds of poets, young or old Until next time, Nostar